to episode 184 of the TruthQuest podcast, the truth about Hunter Biden's laptop. Before we get started, I want to ask you to do me a favor and share the show. If you're on social media and topics such as Hunter Biden's laptop, happiness, decentralization, Anthony Fauci, or the injunctions against the vaccine mandates come up, please share the topic-specific TruthQuest episode with your debate partner. Episodes are available on a host of platforms, including iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music, Podbean, BitChute, Brighteon, Rumble, and Instagram, where I post a short highlight of each show at instagram.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. Whatever platform you may be listening to this on, please take a moment and give it a five-star rating, hit the like button, or leave a positive review. Another way you can help grow the show is to throw a small donation my way at the TruthQuest Podcast patronage page. All donations will be used to drive awareness of the podcast through online advertising. See this episode's show notes page at truthquest.podbean.com for details. And finally, please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. If we had an honest media that reported the news of the day, this episode would be entirely unnecessary because you would already know everything I'm about to cover. Instead, we have an alphabet soup conspiracy media that repeats the lies generated by a bunch of power-hungry whores known as the National Democrats who will do anything to gain and or maintain power. Unfortunately for the country as a whole, many of the viewers of these so-called news outlets are sheep who, either through apathy or driven by a need for confirmation of their biases, marinate in the lies and propaganda for years on end. Their ability to think critically or seek the truth apparently stripped from their brain. Consider the extent to which the media, big tech Democrat cabal, are willing to go to destroy prominent Republicans. Dan Rather ruined his 40-year career by fabricating information about George W. Bush. Harry Reid lied about Romney not paying taxes for 10 years. When it came to Trump, they started by highlighting all the baggage from his personal life, like they should have done with Hunter and Joe, but in Trump's case, he appeared to be made of Teflon. No matter what was exposed about his personal life, nothing stuck. His supporters supported him regardless, so the cabal shifted to spreading lies and slandering him on a daily basis. Most importantly, the Russia collusion hoax and the impeachments. While the Democrats and the media collude to destroy Republican candidates, they, along with the Department of Justice, namely the FBI, also collude to cover up and or ignore the dirty laundry of Democrat candidates and their family members, including evidence of illegalities. As I walk through the contents of Hunter Biden's laptop on this episode, I want you to continually ask yourself what the Democrats, the media, or the Department of Justice would be doing if the last name of the laptop's owner was Trump, or Bush, or Cruz, or McCarthy, or pick your favorite Republican. I covered some of this information way back on episode 118, The Truth About the Biden Crime Family. But now that we have had almost a year and a half to digest the contents of the laptop, and even had a book published by one of the New York Post reporters that broke the story called Laptop from Hell, I thought it was worthwhile to put together an episode that presents everything. If you are hearing this information for the first time, I hope you will do yourself a favor and find new outlets whereby you get your news. If your sole source of news is the alphabet soup conspiracy media, ABC, NBC, MSNBC, CNN, CBS, NPR, or the New York Times, you know next to nothing about the content of Hunter Biden's laptop. They purposely do not tell you about it because if it was widely known, it would destroy Biden and damage the Democratic Party, 
both of which, as we discussed in episode 180, The Truth About Mass Psychosis, are little g-gods or idols worthy of worship and protection by many liberal-leaning folks. Another thing to consider, if any of our government or law enforcement institutions were serious about protecting the country, they would see the laptop for what it is, a blackmailer's dream. And they would see, based on the evidence on the laptop, that Joe Biden is a wholly owned subsidiary of the communist Chinese government and Vladimir Putin, which is especially rich given that the National Democrats and the Alphabet Soup conspiracy media spent four years claiming that Trump was Putin's stooge and a racist for challenging China. The opening handful of paragraphs from Miranda Devine's book, Laptop from Hell, sets the stage nicely. It reads as follows. In the spring of 2019, four years after the death of his brother Bo, Hunter Biden was falling apart. His crack addiction was raging. His wife of 24 years had divorced him. His steamy affair with Bo's widow Haley was on the rocks. A stripper from Arkansas had launched a paternity suit. His business partners were in jail or had vanished, presumed dead. The fortune he had made from foreign oligarchs and Delaware donors was squandered and inaccessible. He had spent the past year in and out of rehab, flitting between Airbnbs and Chateau Marmont, unappreciated and disrespected, raging at his family and the world. In April, his father, former Vice President Joe Biden, announced he was running for president. Two weeks later, Hunter left his laptop at a Mac repair shop in Delaware and never came back. She goes on to say, Hunter's laptop tells an alarming story of the national interest sold out for personal gain at the highest level, in particular to communist China, our greatest strategic foe. And, quote, much of his time, as recorded on the laptop, involves navigating his fraught personal life, feuding with family members, buying drugs, and organizing assinations with prostitutes. The laptop that documents nine years of Joe's life as a globe-trotting VP, the favor-trading senator from Delaware who would go on to become president, was dropped off at a Delaware repair shop by Hunter. The camera roll on the device has nearly 25,000 images loaded with sexually explicit selfies and porn. It also has snapshots of Biden's childhood and vacations, and it contains some 40,000 emails and countless text messages. The owner of the repair shop where the laptop was left made a copy of the hard drive. He then tried to turn it over to the FBI, who initially refused, only to reappear with a subpoena months later. During Trump's impeachment trial, the repairman thought that the contents of the laptop was relevant to what he was hearing. He wondered why the FBI was sitting on it. Several months later, he gave a copy of the drive to Rudy Giuliani, who in turn turned it over to the New York Post. The level of family dysfunction in the text messages alone is awe-inspiring. The fact that the alphabet soup conspiracy media has ignored it and big tech has censored any mention of it is damn near criminal. No public figure in American history besides maybe JFK has had so much, shall we say, unpleasant and unsavory behavior from his personal life swept under the rug as Hunter and Joe Biden. The laptop contains homemade pornography, pictures and videos of Hunter with prostitutes, rampant drug use. It also contains dozens of corporate documents and records of bank transfers. There are emails and text messages detailing a vast international influence peddling scheme and corruption. As Devine puts it, the laptop shows, quote, a drug-addled neophyte bumbling through geopolitical minefields with the Secret Service in tow, end quote. The contents of the laptop document the hundreds of thousands of miles Hunter traveled in order to peddle and collect. From Monte Carlo to Lake Como 
Hong Kong, China, Kakistan, Acapulco, Budapest, Norway, and Ukraine are among the stops. Let's get things started with a quick look at Hunter's resume. The shenanigans were pretty obvious early on. Straight out of law school, he gets a $100,000 a year salary plus an undisclosed signing bonus from MBNA, the credit card giant and Joe's biggest donor. A year later, Hunter buys a historic home on a thousand acres. One year later, he sells it for double. That's probably just dumb luck, right? A year after that, he leaves MBNA to work in the Clinton Commerce Department. MBNA continued paying him a $100,000 annual retainer as a lobbyist for five years. Doesn't that happen to every kid with two years' work experience? The first employer continues to pay them once they move on? Then he went to work for a lobbyist firm run by his father's longtime campaign manager. He was given a number of corporate board positions like Yordo Global, run by one of Joe's biggest donors. I mean, what organization wouldn't want a recent grad on their board? So full of wisdom, so much to offer the company. Then he was named chairman of World Food Program USA, a UN-related nonprofit. He used this position to start cozying up to foreign oligarchs, you know, to solicit donations. Wink, wink. From here, Hunter really ramped up his influence-peddling operation. After mastering the soft corruption quid pro quo system of cronyism in his home state of Delaware, focused mainly on the credit card industry, as I mentioned, MBNA, Joe expanded his influence peddling operation internationally in an apparent bid to enrich his family to a point where no Biden would ever have to work a real job again. He wanted the Biden name to be in the same breath as the Kennedys. Hunter was Joe's bagman, figuratively picking up bags full of cash all over the world. To summarize Hunter's business, I will use his own words from a text message on his laptop to one of his daughters. Quote, I hope you all can do what I did and pay for everything for this entire family for 30 years. It's really hard. But don't worry, unlike Pop, I won't make you pay me half your salary. Now in order to pull this off, and when I say this, I mean launder money, he needed a series of entities in which to run, funnel, launder, spread the money around. And I gotta tell you, Hunter and his uncle Jim, Joe's brother, had at least a dozen created over the years. I lost count. Here's a few of them. Hunter has a law firm named Owasco. Not sure where that name came from, but Rosemont Seneca Partners. Now, this was his main base of operation. John Kerry's stepson, Chris Hines, and a guy named Devon Archer, a buddy of Hines, went into this company together. Then you had Bohe Harvest Rosemont Investment Partnership that was established in 2013. It was a $2.5 billion fund. Hunter was officially in business with the communist Chinese government, and he got 10% stake for that bad boy. And then there was a series of companies called Hudson West. There was the Hudson West 2 and the Hudson West 3. These were companies funded by the Chinese that granted Hunter a $100,000 salary and was used to move money back and forth. Business was good, but it wasn't until Joe and Hunter got in bed with the Chinese and to some extent the Russians that business really took off for the crime family. Joe got to know now lifetime chairman Yi years before he assumed that position. You might recall Joe boasting about how much time he spent with Yi on planes and trains. This gave the Biden crime family an inside running at the spending spree that the Chinese were about to go on in the years before Trump put the kibosh on much of China's investment prowess. 
Joe, of course, as he is apt to do, lied about Hunter's involvement with the Chinese when he said this at the final presidential debate in October 2020 as Trump badgered him about his corruption. Quote, my son has not made money from China, end quote. Chris Hines, one of Hunter's original business partners at Rosemont, was so alarmed by Hunter and Devon Archer, the other partner's activity with the Chinese, that he removed himself from the partnership. Another character floats into Hunter's life. His name is Tony Bobolinsky. That was Hunter's former business partner in a firm set up to enter a joint venture with the Chinese energy conglomerate CEFC. By the way, the CEFC is where most of Hunter's illegalities and laundering originates. Bobolinsky was the guy who held a press conference right before the election in November 2020 that the Alphabet Soup conspiracy media ignored or bashed where he said Joe was fully aware of Hunter's actions and had a 10% equity in the firm. Those of you familiar with this story, this is where the 10% held by Hunter for the big guy came from. The Chinese, the CEFC, was set to invest billions of dollars in Russia buying a stake in the Russian state oil giant Rosneft. Then they signed a deal with, for Russia to deliver natural gas to China. The Rosneft deal fell through eventually. However, what is most interesting about all of this is that the same Chinese associates that Hunter is involved in with on a regular basis were all involved in these dealings with Putin. And given the previous $3.5 million bribe or influence peddling insurance already given to Hunter by the Russians, the Biden crime family has now secured themselves as being in bed both with the Russians and the Chinese. And to think that the Democrats and media pushed Trump-Russia collusion scam for four years, all the while proof of Biden's Chinese and Russia collusion was sitting on a laptop hard drive in an FBI office for anyone to see and report on. Quite remarkable. So how much money did Hunter make over these years? Well, he was on the board of that Adora Global I mentioned earlier for eighty grand a year. They also gave him a one-time payment of 300000 he had a no-show role as counsel for a New York law firm that paid him $216,000 a year. Simons Cooper put up a million bucks in investment capital for Hunter failed hedge fund. He was on the board of Ukraine energy company Burisma, where he made $83,000 a month. What energy experience did he bring to the table? You know the answer. By the way, that monthly rate was cut in half 10 weeks after Joe left office as VP. Hmm, I guess uh, Hunter's usefulness was wearing thin. I just mentioned a $3.5 million payout from the wife of the former Moscow mayor to Rosemont Seneca. He was paid $10 million a year for a minimum of three years for, quote, introductions alone. $6 million was funneled by a Chinese energy company to Robinson Walker's firm. That's a friend of Hunter. Shortly thereafter, Walker's firm started cutting checks, i.e. laundering the money, to one of Hunter's firms for a total of a half million dollars. He had a $100,000 a month gig plus 50k a month for business expenses from Hudson West 2, the company I just mentioned earlier that was funded by the CEFC. Have you heard enough? He also got a million bucks for private counsel to a Chinese oligarch and $100,000 from CEFC subsidiary to his law firm Owaska. Oh, and here's this one's great. $5 million was wired from CEFC to Hudson West 3. Every month for more than a year, Hudson West 3 sent payments labeled consulting fee to Hunter Biden's law firm. Guess what the total was? 
4,790,375. Must have been a finder's fee in there. Clearly, the money Hunter Biden raked in over the nine years documented on his laptop is mind-boggling. It really puts to rest once and for all the Democrats' disparaging of the rich. You know, the Gregorian chant, the rich don't pay their fair share? These same people are remarkably quiet when it comes to one of their own living lavishly. Kind of reminds me of all the do-gooder celebrities that bitch and moan about climate change as they fly around the globe in their private jets. Here's a sample of Hunter's spending. 820 bucks a night for a hotel room, $650 per day Lamborghini rental, $37,000 a month alimony to his ex-wife Kathleen, $7,000 a month waterfront home in Annapolis, Maryland, $57,000 for widow sister-in-law turned lover Haley's rehab in a Malibu center in 2017. A three-carat diamond worth 80 grand was given to him by a Chinese energy company chairman. He spent $30,000 on Brunello Susanelli outfits. What the hell is that? $17,000 a month for office space in Georgetown. He spent $3,500 on a credit card charge at a strip club. $21,000 for more luxury men's clothes. $12,000 at Larry Flint's Hustler Club. $3,000 per night at the Central Park View. $70,000 at Smile Design Manhattan, getting his crack addiction rotted teeth fixed and $14,000 Malibu Addiction Center treatment. What life skills do you think Hunter acquired throughout these years of peddling his father's name? Well, most of Hunter's life skills revolved around drugs and prostitutes. Exhibit 1, his discharge from the Naval Reserves in 2013. Before his naval career even got going, he tested positive for cocaine. He learned how to cook crack using baking soda, acetone water, and cocaine powder using a baby food jar. He learned how to drive his Porsche 175 miles an hour on the Las Vegas freeway at 12.19 a.m. one morning and taking a picture of the dash to document it. Probably his greatest achievement as documented on his laptop was balancing M&Ms on his erect penis and taking a picture of it for posterity. It's important for you to know that the Secret Service was babysitting Hunter all these years, even during the time when neither he nor his father had a Secret Service protection detail. They regularly appeared seemingly out of nowhere to save Hunter from himself and or clean up his messes. This happened once when, during one of his weeks-long drug and prostitute benders, he used his daddy's credit card to pay for his evening's escort for services rendered and apparently for the blow she brought with her. He was so out of his mind that he paid the woman multiple times, amounting in, I think, 20 grand. I can't remember the exact number. Anyways, the Secret Service showed up at the hotel and demanded to see Hunter, texting him over and over again. You know, because he used his daddy's credit card to pay for drugs and sex. In October of 2018, Hunter decided to buy a gun, a 38 caliber revolver. He, of course, answered no on the federal background check form that he is addicted to any controlled substances, something he directly contradicts in his own memoir. That is a felony. Not his first, given all of his money laundering he was doing. Two weeks after the gun's purchase, Haley Biden, she takes the gun and throws it in a trash can outside a grocery store. Some dude found it shortly thereafter, then the police, the FBI, and the Secret Service arrive on the scene. The Secret Service went on mop-up duty again. They went to the gun store and asked for the firearms transaction record that Hunter filled out when he bought the gun, which the owner refused. Keep in mind, again, at this time, neither Joe nor Hunter are under Secret Service protection. So basically, the Secret Service just keep tabs on Hunter 
and act as his glorified babysitter. As you might guess, no charges were filed against Hunter, and the public didn't even find out about this until three years later when Politico ran a story. Ripped out of today's headlines is the Secret Service's most recent mop-up job for the Bidens, as they withhold Hunter's travel records to Russia and China from two Republican senators who requested them. They instead received heavily redacted copies. The senators then gave the Secret Service until January 26th to respond appropriately. I wonder what they're hiding. Let's talk a bit about the women in Hunter's life. After all, his father is the head of a political party that claims to be the champion of women. Pay no attention to all the women molested by Bill Clinton, and don't ask any questions about Tara Reid. Anyways, Hunter began an affair with his dead brother's widow shortly after his death in 2015. Her name is Haley. He then left his wife Kathleen of 20 plus years and his three daughters to live on and off again with Haley and his niece and nephew. Hunter himself said this in his memoir, Beautiful Things, quote, I was the sicko sleeping with his brother's wife, end quote. I just want you to take a moment here to reflect. I want you to really understand how corrupt the bulk of the media outlets are. If Trump did this or one of his sons did this, the whole family would be done. And yet Joe Biden, this bumbling, shallow idiot of a man, becomes president with the media burying all of this shit. At some point along the way, Hunter began a sexual relationship with Hallie's sister, Liz, who was separated from her husband. Just another day at the Biden house. In August 2018, a woman named Luden Alexis Roberts gave birth to a baby. She was a former stripper from D.C. DNA proved that Hunter was the father. It was through her paternity lawsuit that a lot of Hunter's financials were revealed to the world. Again, just another day at the Biden house. As Joe began planning his run for president, Hunter was a mess as he spent the better part of a year in California feeding his crack addiction and entertaining escorts. He eventually went home to Delaware at Christmas time. The family had decided to hold an intervention. They got Hunter to agree to go to rehab. As soon as he was dropped off at the center, he called an Uber, checked into a hotel, smoked the crack he had tucked away in his travel bag. All of this documented either on his laptop or his memoir. Anyone who pays least bit of attention to Joe Biden knows that if the guy is not a straight-up psychopath, he definitely has psychopathic tendencies. Four quick examples come to mind. His open border policy. I mean, what kind of leader of a country would do something like that? Like, in the history of the world, what country has no restraints on who enters it? Related to that, he stopped the building of an already paid for border wall, actually paying the contractors not to work, not to build it. And he ended the successful wait in Mexico policy for those wishing to emigrate to the United States. Number two, his pathological lying and penchant to plagiarize is well documented. It goes back decades. Number three, his unremorseful, swift, and immediate withdrawal from Afghanistan, leaving Americans, our allies, and the innocent Afghani people under the cruel control of the Taliban. And finally, his willingness to expose a drug-addicted son to the irresistible temptations of gushing torrents of cash, as Melinda Devine put it. What kind of person would do that to his own flesh and blood? Given the topic of this episode, it's important for you to know that Joe has repeatedly denied any knowledge of Hunter's illegal, unethical business dealings. Yet the laptop is full of evidence to the contrary. 
If nothing else, there are photos of Joe with some of Hunter's business partners, whom he claims to have never met, and there are more than a hundred events scheduled in Hunter's diary at the VP's residence, the Naval Observatory, where Hunter introduced Joe to his various business associates. Joe also met with Hunter's associates in his West Wing office, and he flew Hunter around the world on Air Force Two to countries where he was doing business. But we are supposed to believe doddering old Joe when he tells us he had no idea. Remember the incident in 2018 at the Council of Formulations where Joe boasted about strong-arming the Ukrainian government into firing the prosecutor who was investigating in Burisma, the company that was paying Hunter 83 grand a month to sit on the corporate board? He threatened to withhold a billion dollars in loan guarantees. He is so cocksure and arrogant in his comments that it makes you wince. Check it out online if you haven't seen it. And also check out episode 91, The Truth About Joe Biden, for a deep dive into the current resident of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, if you're interested. In the days after the New York Post broke the story about Hunter's laptop, Google searches for, quote, change my vote spiked since so many Americans had voted early due to COVID. Polls show that if the full story about the Biden crime family had been told, it likely would have changed the election. Polls show that 50% of Biden's voters knew nothing about the laptop, and 10% of his voters would not have cast a ballot for him had they known the truth. Despite what you may think, the purpose of this episode is not to pile on Hunter or Joe. These two sold their souls to the devil decades ago. They are lost causes. They got away with it. It's over. They will never be punished. More than just making sure that you are aware of what's on Biden's laptop, this episode offers us many lessons to be learned. Such as, the dual justice system, one for well-connected Democrats and one for everyone else, is alive and well, as are the lure of corruption and greed, money and power. It demonstrates the dangers of addiction, and it puts the spotlight on dysfunctional family units with no moral compass, just the pursuit of pleasure, power and money. God is not at work in the lives of the Bidens. It's their choice to scoff at him and mock him, as Joe so often does when he claims to be a practicing Catholic while endorsing and cheering on the murder of innocent babies in the womb. With a lack of God in their lives, there is lack of morals, which is only exacerbated by the lack of consequences. Another lesson learned from this episode is the drastic need to roll back power in D.C., if Congress and the President were held to their Article I, Section 8 constitutional box, there would be no money in influence peddling because there would be no influence to peddle. I believe the biggest lesson learned from the laptop situation is the sheer ignorance of a large segment of the Democrat voter base due to either their own purposeful head-in-the-sand approach to gathering the news or due to the blatant censorship by big tech and the slanted coverage they receive from the alphabet soup conspiracy media. It's really no different than what we see with COVID. You have a large segment of the population most seemingly Democrats or liberals who, to this day, are still terrified of COVID for much the same reason. Either head-in-the-sand ignorance or slanted coverage and the fear porn that they are fed from their news sources. They wear their masks, which don't work. They refuse to see unvaxxed friends and family in person. They think the unvaxxed should be locked up, their kids taken away from them, have their travel restricted, and lose their jobs. At the end of the day, Hunter Biden is someone to be pitied despite his bravado attitude similar to his father's. He is a lost soul hung out to dry by his powerful megalomaniac father to grab all that he can while the getting's good regardless of the morality, ethics, or legality of their actions. And that's the truth about Hunter Biden's laptop. 
Please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. 